0: Our study, uh, looking at the gifts, we're going to look at Ephesians 4 today, Ephesians chapter 4. And as we were mentioning, there are a number of uh, key passages in Scripture that deal with the gifts. Uh, We looked at Romans for a little bit. We're going to look at Ephesians today. Uh, Then Corinthians is another passage that is kind of key as he lays out the gifts and gives us an explanation for why these gifts were given. Uh, And remember, where are we headed with this? At the end of the day, God has given every believer a gift. Every believer has a gift. And that gift is given according to God's desire, not ours. I think that's important. So that means I shouldn't be comparing myself to you because whatever giftedness God has given me, he has given it to me as he desired. And I think that is so important when we come to the, we come to the body of Christ because so many times, humanly, we start comparing ourselves with other people. I wish I was like so-and-so. That person is so because look at what they can do, right? But when you understand scripture, that God says that I've given each of you a gift according as I've desired, that changes your whole perspective. You don't have to look at, and neither should you look at, other believers and begin to compare your spirituality, your closeness with God, compared to what they're doing. And I know humanly that's something that we probably all struggle with at some level. Right? But we're going to see that even in this passage today, again, gifts were given. And they were given in this particular passage. We see the emphasis that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the church. What's going to be different about this particular passage is that these are not gifts in the sense of, Spiritual giftedness, like last week we talked about gifts of leading, gifts of mercy, gifts of compassion, right? Those types of gifts that people have. These that we're going to look at, these are really offices or positions that God has given to the church. So the emphasis here is going to be that God has given different offices, and in particular, apostles, teachers, pastors, shepherds. So it's a little different than I have the gift of, like, there is no gift of apostleship. Okay, there's no, I have the gift of pastoring. No, 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 no. The emphasis here in Ephesians is God has set up these roles or offices, leadership positions within the church. So it's a little different, okay? So let's ask God's blessing, and then we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 7 and read through. Father, thank you for your grace today. Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding as we look at your word today. Lord, help us to understand the purpose of these offices in the church, the purpose of your purpose of why you put these roles in your church. So, Lord, we pray for your blessing as we read your word, study your word together. In Christ's name, amen. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. What i like to do, I'm going to read through verses 7 all the way to verse 16. 7 to 16. And then we're going to go back and unpack some truths in these verses. Look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us, there it is again, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Remember earlier we saw that God has given. Here now it's saying Christ has given. I thought it was God, yes. But here it's saying Christ, yes. Wait, you mean Christ is God? Yes. Verse 8. But grace was given, oh, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, speaking of Jesus, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men, verse 9, and saying he ascended, what does it mean, but that he had also uh, descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So before I read 11, let me just give you a little synopsis here. Here Paul is referencing Psalms where the Psalm talks about that God as a divine warrior has defeated the enemies. And ascended on high. Okay? Now you gotta understand, in the ancient Near East, when somebody would go and defend the enemies, they would take those enemies captive, march back into the town with all of the enemies now bound, and they would have a, like a, a homecoming parade. Like, we defeated this army, we have all these captives, and then what would they do? All the spoils that they got from the army, right, from the war, now can be shared with all of the victors. Make sense? He's playing off of that. He's playing off of that image, and he says, Jesus has ascended after taking those captive. Now, again, I, want, I don't want to get into a whole lot of, uh, there's debate over, well, when Jesus descended, does it mean he went down to hell? And he preached to the people that were in hell. That's one view. Or does it just mean he descended into the grave, Hades? Or like, what is this? And I don't think that's Paul's point. Paul's point in Ephesians is not so much the descending that he did, but the ascending as victor conquered spiritual forces, darkness, just like the warriors would have captured their enemies. The point that he's making is that Jesus conquered all spiritual wickedness, ascended to the Father, and now has given his body gifts. That's the point of the passage. Okay? Let's keep going. So then he says, and he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Verse 12. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So right here, you begin to see this distinction. Again, these are not gifts like spiritual gifts. These are positions. These are leadership positions. He's given these roles to the local body for what purpose? To now turn around and equip you, the saints, for what? The work of the ministry. Do you see the distinction there? Someone has to be doing the equipping. But it's not just teaching for the sake of teaching. That's just academic knowledge. We're going to see as we unpack this, our job, our role, is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And you do that work of the ministry through using your gifts. See how it's all coming together? All right, let's keep going. Verse 13. And how long should we be equipping you? And how long should you be using those gifts? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, we come to full attainment of that. When's that going to happen? In the end, not until Christ <laughs> comes. That means you got to keep using your giftedness, and we have to keep on equipping you until Christ comes back. That's why he says, end of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, this teaching, this equipping of God's people is until You continue to grow, become more like Christ, and eventually you will reach the full measure, full spiritual maturity, but not until you see Jesus Christ. Amen? So that tells us we don't use our giftedness for a season. One brother told me, he said, yeah, man, I've been been using my giftedness. I understand all that, brother, but I'm going to take a little break right now. (laughs) I don't see that verse. Where's that verse? Now, nah, I just, and, and I get it. I get it. There's all kinds of horror stories. Churches have burned out people. And they're like, no, I'm tired. I'm just tired. Right? I get it. But, but, but we have to understand something. The, the misuse of something does not mean we stop doing it. That is so important. And churches have burned out people. And churches have driven people away. Right. But it doesn't take away from God's design. And we have to endeavor to do what God calls us to do, even in the midst of hardships and even in the midst of maybe not being treated the right way. Amen. Notice what he says in verse 14, then. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning, or twisting, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Now, this is so important. We'll come back and unpack this. But so that we may no longer, and now he goes into this whole thing about being carried away by bad teaching, by human cunningness, craftiness, deceitful schemes. How is it that we're not going to do this? What did he say prior? By being equipped. Do you see the connection? That is so important. That that as as the body of Christ, as we use our giftedness, and we're serving one another, we're loving one another, the leadership is training you how to use that equippedness that you might be mature in Christ. It's safeguarding you against this. Oh, I hope you see that connection. That's so important. Which speaks to why it's so important for the body to meet. Which speaks to why it's so important for God's people to meet regularly, praying, worshiping together, that this doesn't happen. See, it's so much more than just going to church. It's so much more than just going to church. So there is a direct correlation between your being equipped You doing the work of the ministry and you safeguarding your life from being swept away by every wind of doctrine. Wow. Are you starting to feel the importance of the body, of using our giftedness, of being equipped? Let's look at 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 16. For whom the whole body, here it is again, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Do you see the importance of the body, each and every one of you? When each part, that's you, is working properly makes the body, that's us, grow so that it builds itself up in love. How is love generated among God's people? By each using his giftedness participating together to do the work of the ministry, one of the byproducts is we're built up in love. Wow, I thought it was just about a Christmas outreach. Oh, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. I think this is what we need to understand. Outreaches and and sidewalk Bible school and all these different things, it's not just about the activity. If it's just about the activity, there are many nonprofits who do activities all the time. Go do one of those. There's all kind of marches, 5K marches, marathons, all kinds of things that are good things, activities, right? But when God's people do activity together, there's a whole different reason. Amen? So you can't look at it like, I know in the flesh you feel that. I feel that. Emmanuel feels that. We're we're in the flesh. Because, as he just said, God works through means. He works through these vessels. He works through Christmas parties. He works through sidewalk Bible school. He, He works through these things. But in order to have Christmas party and sidewalk Bible school, there's a lot of work involved. And you just finish working all day. I go up to the church, set up these tables, (laughs) right? I get it. We all live in that world. But for the believer, we have to filter that through what the purpose is. As his body, we are working together, doing the work of the ministry. And it's not that, woo, we accomplished all those tables and all the lights are up. Good. Well, yeah, that was accomplished, but there was so much more. You understand what I'm saying? The conversation, the encouragement, the the, the praying together, unified hearts praying for one thing together. There's so much more that comes out of these activities. And one of the end results is the body grows. (laughs) We start growing as a family. And it gets built up in love. So don't look at activities and things that we do as just activities. And then one of the things you have to ask yourself is like, okay, Lord, I'm part of the every joint, right? Every joint, each and every one of us are part of the body. None of us, we'll look at this passage when we get to Corinthians, none of us are insignificant, right? Right? So the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you, right? We'll get there. All of us are crucial in the work that God's doing in his body. So if I'm not engaged with the body, what's the end result? I'm not part of accomplishing this in my body, my local body that God building itself up in love. So now let's go back. Let's go back, and and, and I want to, again, focus on starting at verse 11. As we said, these gifts that Christ has given to the church, these are really expressed in various types of leaders, leadership for the church. And that is a gift that Christ gave to the church. In other words, when Christ died for us and when Christ saved us and filled us with the Holy Spirit, he didn't just leave us on our own. Now go figure it out. He didn't do that. No, but he gifted the body with leaders. Let's go back to verse 11. Look at what he says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, The evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. See, the grace that Christ gives is expressed now in terms of this leadership that he put in the church. Notice apostles and prophets are, are, are mentioned together. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds and teachers. Now, we have to make a distinction here. Because... Uh, go with me, please, to Ephesians 2. Understanding that these first two types of leaders, the, the apostles and the prophets, the, these were foundational leaders for the church. Okay? This is important. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 20. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20, built on the what? Foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Let's look at 21. 21 in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We talked about that previously. But what I want you to focus on here as we're looking at These gifts of leaders, the apostles and the prophets, are what? Foundational. As the early church started, he used apostles, he used prophets to to set down the foundation for which the church was built on. Does that make sense? So they had authority from God and how they spoke and what they spoke was directly from God, approved by God. Amen? Now, why am I harping on this? Do we have apostles today? You see, we have to make a distinction here. The word apostle simply means one who is sent. One who is sent. But we have to realize what scripture is doing here. I could be sent, and some people use the word apostle in that regard. Some people call themselves an apostle. I do some teaching for an African denomination. And they call their ministers apostles. Pastor Ron, meet Apostle Kofi. Meet Apostle, okay? Okay. Is Apostle Kofi on par with the Apostle Paul? (laughs) Absolutely not. Do you see the difference? So if you're using the word apostle in the sense of I'm one who's been sent, okay. But if you're using the word apostle the way Ephesians is using it, upon you are the foundation of the church. No, 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 no. That's not you. Do you see the difference? Authority was given directly by the Lord Jesus Christ to the apostles. They spoke for the church. They spoke the doctrine that was given to them. We have to make that distinction. And the reason I'm harping on this is because we have many modern day apostles that are leading people astray. Because people are attributing to these modern-day YouTube internet apostles the same authority that the apostles of the first century church had. Don't do that. And they're saying, "Well, Pastor Ron, but he's an apostle. No, 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 no. Do you see the difference? We've got to be careful. Notice Ephesians 3. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And again, these are leadership positions that Jesus gifted to the church. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his who? Holy Prophets or apostles and prophets by the spirit. So God gave to the early church, the beginning of the church. He gave apostles and prophets that were foundational and revelation was given directly to them. Inspiration, writing of the word of God. The apostle Paul. There is no modern-day apostle today who is on par with the Apostle Paul. This is so important. Because one of our heartbeats as pastors is that you are not carried away by every wind of false doctrine. And there is a lot of it out there in the name of Jesus. People are saying things, taking titles on themselves as an apostle. No, 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 no. The foundation of the truth of God's word has been laid, signed, sealed, and delivered. Do not add to the word of God. Amen? So these apostles that Paul is speaking of and prophets, there is an authority difference here between those who might take on the title of apostle. I don't have a problem if you're taking on the, the, the title of apostle. So long as you understand you're taking on that title as one who's been sent, which is what the word means, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. If you're adding more to it, that there's some special revelation you get from God that I can't find in these 66 books, uh-uh, no. And yet there are many who take on the name of apostle who claim that. Revelation it's not in the word of God that God has given them because they are an apostle. Be careful. Be careful. So, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at this because one of the things, there is an authority difference between the apostle and the first century church and those who are prophets in the church, all right? We're we're, we're taking our time with this because, again, we got to be very careful as we start talking about spiritual gifts that that we understand what Scripture is teaching. So there is a difference between the apostolic authority, like the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter, all these people who were apostles that God used to give us the word of God, versus prophets where there may be the gift of prophecy, okay? We're going we're to unpack that. We talked about that a little bit before. We'll come back to it, right? Remember, we're going to come back to you and say, what gifts do you want to know more about, okay? So the gift of prophecy, God can still give that gift, still use that gift, I believe, in the churches. But there's a distinction when it comes to the authority first century apostles and say those who have the gift of prophecy. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. And this is in a context where he's speaking on the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37 and 38. Notice what Paul says, and this is in the context of spiritual gifts. And we'll look at the Corinthians passage next week, Lord willing. If anyone thinks that he is a what? Prophet. Oh, I'm a prophet. That's right, I'm a prophet. Okay, hold on, sit down, wait. Or spiritual. He should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you, that's Paul, are a command of the Lord. What did Paul just do there? (laughs) He just made a distinction, didn't he? If anyone does not recognize this, and in the context, who's the anyone? In the context of this verse, the one who thinks he's a prophet. If anyone does not recognize that that, that the things that I am writing to you are a command from the Lord, if you don't recognize this, he is not recognized. Do you see the distinction? So whereas God may give the gift of prophecy, and there may be prophets that prophesy in God's name, it comes in subjection to the authority of what the apostles have already written. See, this is where, and and, and I'm a little passionate about, like, camping out here a little bit, because over the years, you know, Monique and I, as we grew up, you know, we went to Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches, Church of God churches, you know, being raised Catholic, and then we went to Pentecostal, charismatic, fundamentalist, Baptist. I mean, we all flavors of the ice cream, right? And something that has devastated the lives of so many people was hearing from a prophet. Someone who they truly believed was a prophet of God and told them things that never came to pass or encouraged them to do things that caused devastation in their lives. We must be careful. And this is so important for us as pastors to guard you. Everyone who claims to be speaking in the name of Jesus is not necessarily so. And one of the ways you know, I don't care how charismatic that person is, I don't care how many YouTube followers they have, They, in all that they say, must be in submission to the written word of God. Period. There is no new revelation with authority on par with the word of God. I don't care who you are, how long you've been a prophet, how many prophecies have come true. No, no, no. Don't fall for that trap. And I get emails from people all the time. Pastor Ron, have you checked out this person? And they send me YouTube links. Have you checked out this prophetess? Check out this prophet. I'm like, be careful. Especially when I tune in and I listen and 20 minutes into the message, the name of Jesus Christ has never been mentioned. Especially when I listen to these prophets and it's all about your goodness. It's about your self-worth. It's about God told me to tell you you are somebody. God told me to tell me you are going to tread lines. God told me and I'm sitting there like, okay, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's the gospel? People don't fall for it. Yes, it sounds good. Yes, it's going to be like, wow. Yes, it's going to encourage you. You're going to be like, yes, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not a small eye. I'm a big eye. I mean, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's great. But so far, everything I'm hearing is nothing but motivational speaking. Because it's devoid of Jesus Christ. It's devoid of everything in my life being done for his glory, not my self-promotion. I got a problem with you being a real prophet. You understand what I'm saying, people? Please guard what you listen to, who you follow. Jesus Christ, the apostle Paul said, he is the one I proclaim. He is the one I proclaim. So there is an authority different. The apostle Paul says, he as an apostle has authority over the Because he was foundational in regards to God, using him to give truth to the church. Amen? So prophets, although there may be the gifts of prophecy, we have to keep this balance in mind. That we don't fall prey to false doctrine. And notice, remember in the context of Ephesians? right? What's, what's part of the reason God gave the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, teachers to the church? What's part of the reason? That we wouldn't be what? Swept away by cunning devices, evil schemes, man's knowledge apart from God. So let's go back into our text. Let's go back. Again, verse 11. So he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelist. The evangelists. Now, again, what, what is an evangelist? A, a, an evangelist is, is simply somebody who is a bringer of good news, of good tidings. That's literally what the word means. This is the these are the, the heralds of salvation. These are the ones who are proclaiming, like in our play, right? Juan was an evangelist in the play. Hear ye! There were evangelists that God gave to the church who were used to establish churches, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we have evangelists in that sense of the word today? Yes, sure we do. There are people who go around and they're not pastoring a church. They don't have one church that they're pastoring, but they're in a different church every Sunday. And they're proclaiming the word of God? It's like their whole life is just about proclaiming the gospel. Who comes to mind as one of the most prominent evangelists of our day? Billy Graham. And it's just like you say, Billy Graham, what comes to mind? Evangelist. You say, Billy Graham, what does not come to mind? Uh, Theologian, uh, lecturer, uh, uh, seminary professor. No, no, no. Evangelism. Billy Graham. It was always about Jesus Christ. Repent and be saved. Same thing in the first century church where people were going around and they were preaching the gospel. Now, listen, what they were preaching as evangelists, it wasn't a different message. It was a message that was established by who? The apostles and prophets. (laughs) You see how it all works together? Look at Acts 21, 8. Acts 21, 8. Acts 21, 8. It says, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. You see Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Right? But that message that they hurled out, that good tidings that they gave, it was a very, very simple message. It was very simple. Repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ, suffered, died, was buried, and rose again. He is alive. It was a very simple message. And it was Christ-centered. I listen to modern-day evangelists today, and I don't hear a lot of that. I don't hear that. So I have to question, wait a minute. This is not the evangelists that were during the time of Christ. It wasn't about feel-good messages. It wasn't about just making people feel good. It wasn't about, listen, the, 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 the message of the evangelist was one that exalted Christ as the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who is now ruling on high. Now listen to evangelists today And it becomes this, and this is so grieving to me. It becomes this. Jesus, and all that he did, he did it so that you might have the type of victory and power in your life right now. They're not talking spiritually. They're talking prosperity and material-wise. Jesus did not die on a cross so that you could be rich today. Don't you dare pervert the gospel. And they've taken all that Christ has done, removing the wrath of God, and deduced it that that was done so that in this temporary life, you can walk in prosperity. And they're talking about material prosperity. That's heresy. That's not the gospel. Guys, we gotta be careful. We gotta be. I, again, I don't get enamored with the title of people, please. Pastor Ron, have you heard Evangelist so? I said, stop. Listen at the message. Does it coincide with what Jesus did and said? Or is it something new? So, you know, I, I, I always got laugh when people come and say, hey, Pastor, you, you, you gotta listen to this guy. I said, well, who is he? Oh, Bishop so-and-so. I said, why do I have to listen to Bishop so and so? Bro, he's deep. Okay. What's that mean? Uh, listen, saints, please hear me. Is there anything deeper than the blood of Christ atoning for our sins that we might be with the Holy God throughout? that his Holy Spirit indwells in us and is conforming us from the inside out to be more like Jesus, that we might proclaim him and exalt him? Is there anything deeper than that? Give me a break. There is nothing deeper than that. And I don't care that he's bishop with PhDs and back of it. I don't care. You can't come up with a message deeper than the love of God through Jesus Christ. Stop falling for it. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm speaking to somebody (laughs) because I can't let this go. (laughs) Don't fall for it. I don't care what the title is. Call yourself an evangelist. Call yourself a bishop. Call yourself. I don't care if it's not Christ exalted. It's false. Run from it. Guys, we got to be on guard. When we go back and we look at these leadership positions in the church, they were all given that Christ might be exalted. This wasn't for self-promotion. Let's go back again to verse 11. The apostles, he gave prophets, he gave the evangelists, he gave the shepherds and teachers. Simply put, he gave pastors pastors th- these two are together because shepherds teach i think one of the main ways that pastors care for the flock is through teaching teaching making sure that we're rightly dividing the word of god making sure that the jesus whom we say we love and serve that we're actually telling you what he said in his word that is the most important part of shepherding of caring For the flock. You understand? Yes, it doesn't mean that we don't come alongside and pray with you. That's part of caring. It doesn't mean that we don't come alongside and visit. But we are entrusted to proclaim the whole counsel of God to you. And that in and of itself is a weighty responsibility. Because at the end of the day, and please don't take this the wrong way, Anybody can come visit you in the hospital. At the end of the day, anybody can bring you a meal. And we do that. And we should do that. But far weightier than that, we need to give you the whole counsel of God and make sure you understand it. We need to guard the flock from heresy and false doctrine. The pastor's job is to care, protect the flock. And one of the primary ways that we protect you, the flock, is through teaching the truth of who Jesus is. Amen? The emphasis here is on protection. Look at 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. Peter, speaking here, he says, so I exhort the elders. And just so you know, the word elder and pastor and overseer, bishop, they're all used interchangeably in Scripture. This is the one who is up front teaching, shepherding God's people. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, And as a a witness of the sufferings of Christ. As well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So Peter says, I'm I'm one of you. I'm on par with you. Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight. One of our, that's a heartbeat. When we talk and have our meetings, yeah, we got to plan this. We got to plan that. We got to plan that. But, but more important is where are they in their walk with Jesus? Where are they spiritually? At the end of the day, that's what we're going to be held accountable for. I don't believe God's going to look at us and say, well, let's see. You've done 2,085 activities. Awesome. Good job. No, God's going to look at us as pastors and shepherds and say, what have you done, number one, to proclaim my truth and to exhort and oversee these sheep and prod them on in the spiritual things of God? What have you done in that department? Oh, but Lord, but we we ran 2,000 Sunday schools. You understand what I'm saying? This is the weight that we live with. Look what Peter says. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. See, there's an attitude there. All right, y'all need to listen to me because I'm the pastor. All right? I need a meal brought to me once a day. I'm going to start with Levi. Chicken and potatoes, please. Thank you. Ashley, I need mashed potatoes. There are some pastors who rule over their congregation. I believe that guy ought to be yanked down. I believe he's disqualified. We don't rule under compulsion. We don't oversight under compulsion. But but we do this willingly as God would have you. Watch this. Not for shameful gain. Wow. How many pastors are pastoring for a paycheck? Never forget being in a church. And, again, we got to be careful here because the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. I understand that. Paul talks about the oxen that's plowing the ground. Don't put a muzzle on. Let him eat some of the stuff that he's plowing. And I get that. I get all that. But I also believe the Bible says that a pastor ought to be above reproach. And that there might be some things that are okay biblically. Like Paul said, all things are lawful, but all things don't build up. But if it gives a perception to people that I am not about this for the right reason, I ought to let that thing go. It's funny, a lot of pastors don't preach that part. They preach, well, give honor to whom honors do. Well, of course you're going to preach that. And I remember coming into a church, and the church... I happened to be there on the Sunday where they were going to surprise their pastor. Okay. Goodbye, my wanna do. It's his tenth anniversary as a as a pastor. I'm going to put some ideas in your head. They said, Pastor, come on up here. And you know, he's crying and everything. He said, We we love you. And we just want we want we want you to know how much we love you. Well, I can amen all that, okay. And then they stood back and they pointed to the screen. And on the screen was a live of one of the deacons out front and a brand-new red Mercedes I-Series or S-Series, whatever, the top of the line, red with white leather interior. And the camera's right up on it, and he's just, oh, praise the Lord. Now I'm like, hold on. <laughs> 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 okay. Give honor to who honor's due. Okay, all right. Oh, I get that. But I'm looking at, around at your congregation where the average medium income is $25,000. I just, I got a problem with that. I just, I just have a problem with that. Did it do anything wrong? Did it? Not, no. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that perception. Oh, you can keep the whistle. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? What are other visitors thinking if, I, if I'm thinking that? And as church lets out, half your congregation is standing on the corner waiting for a septa to take them home. I just got a problem with that. I just feel like the pastor ought to be in with the people. Again, am I against the pastor having a new car? No, but get a Chevy. <laughs> you have to get an $85,000 car? How did you guys approve that in the budget? Well, we were honoring our pastor. Well, do uh, you understand what I'm saying, guys? We, we have to make sure as pastors that we are pastoring not for shameful gain, but eagerly. We, we, we want to do this. Why? Because God's called us to it. <laughs> That's why. That's Why? Because God, our chief shepherd, has said, hey, get up. This is what I want you to do. Uh, you, do you want me to? Oh, no, I'm good, Lord. <laughs> no, get up. This is what I want you to do. As I do believe it's a calling. I don't think it's like, hmm, I going to do this. Oh, no, I think I'm going to be a pastor. No, there's a lot of people out there like that. And they're violating the characteristics in this verse because they were never called. But willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge. Wow. Watch this. But being examples to the flock. Being examples. All that we're trying to teach you in God's word. That's not just you. We have to walk in this truth. I came home one day and I, after a counseling session that just didn't go well, but it's always funny because I've been doing a lot of biblical counseling for over 25 years now. And every time I come home, she doesn't do it as much, but five, ten years ago, I would come home and Monique would say, so how did it go? And she knows I can't talk about how it went. I I would say, just pray. It's frustrating. You talk to people you try to point them and they just... Right. I've seen more Christian marriages end up in divorce in the last 25 years than non-Christian marriages. What's wrong with that? But anyway, she'll always ask me this question every now and then. So, honey, what did you tell the husband? I'm like, what? I'm just like what biblical truth. I don't want to know what his issue is. What biblical truth did you tell him? I told him he needs to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and that means meeting her needs, even if it means talking when you don't feel like talking. Oh, okay. And then she will just walk away. (laughs) You see, the truth of God cuts both ways. Now, I praise God after almost 30 years of marriage, Monique and I have never been to a marriage counselor. Never. I remember telling a guy that way, he was like, wow, man, you must have them together. I said, no, you don't understand, bro. 40% of my life, I'm counseling people. And I bring that truth home every day because it has cut me. So I've actually been in counseling for 25 years. (laughs) That's why we're still together. You understand what I'm saying? Be an example to the flock. These truths that we're giving you is not for you. This is for God's people, which is why every one of you have a right I would even say a God-given right, as we wrap up, to walk up to any of us at any time as your pastor and say, um, I need to exhort you on something. I saw you in Walmart the other day. The way you were talking to that cashier, Pastor Ron, you okay? Can I pray for you? You have a right to do that. Now, how many people feel comfortable doing that with their pastor? They would be like, oh, he's, a pa- he's a man of God. No, he's a man just like you, and we ought to be exhorting one another, provoking one another unto good works. Pastors are not untouchable. We are God's spokespersons. And to us, the Bible says, the greater condemnation is coming. Because as we preach and as we live, so many of you will follow. That's sobering to me. I don't have time for games. I don't have time to act like one way and live another I I'm not playing that game. Because as you follow our example, I'm going to give an account. So be examples to the flock. And look at verse 4. We'll stop here. And when the chief shepherd appears. I love that. (laughs) The chief shepherd. The reason we do what we do. (laughs) You will receive the unfading crown of glory. Amen? Amen? Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these gifts of leadership that you've given to your body. You didn't save us and leave us to fend for ourselves. You raise up pastors. You raise up teachers. You raise up these people who will stay true to your word and to guide, direct, and shepherd your people. Oh, God, it is such, it is such a humbling thing to be called in this position, Lord, help us to shepherd well. I pray, God, for all of us. I pray, God, that as we continue to seek your face, oh, God, we want to be the church you've called us to be. We want to be joined together. We want to each be supplying what you have gifted us to do, that we might grow up together in love and full maturity. So, God, I pray that you will continue to work in our hearts. Oh, Father, give us the right perspective of the church. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than just doing an activity. Oh, God, it's so much deeper than that. It is what you are using to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, to build one another up in the faith. Oh, God, give us an excitement for the church because of what you are doing and how you are using Each and every one of us, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to glorify Jesus Christ. Oh, God, may we keep striving to be the church you've called us to be. Father, we thank you so much. We bless your name. In Jesus' name.